In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Uh, don't be shy. Use your lady things to jiggle. Use your man cash to wiggle. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Grab a drink with a crazy straw and suck on it. Anything goes in Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. It's a well-established fact that you're listening to 105.3 UPRA, New, 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 New Orleans. No, you're not. Also an established fact. Ah, Paratopia on this, our special 40th edition. I don't know. It seems like every 10 should be special somehow. Um, when you think special, you think none other than Mr. Retard, Tim Banal. Is that right? Is that a proper introduction? No. Uh, Tim Banal, everybody. Tim Banal. Tim, uh, I've been, uh, teasing having you on the show here for, uh, a few weeks to, uh, to talk about your mass monster mash, um, conference. And maybe you can fill us in on that and we can, um, ask you some questions and, um, then I can beg, uh, to be a part of it. All right, sounds good. Um, first, let me just say it's the uh, the Mass Mystery Weekend. Uh, the Monster Mash is Saturday. The UFO show is Friday night. The uh, the Mystery Tour is Sunday, and uh, there's less than ten tickets left for that. So, and, and what what are we talking about when we're saying Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? What are what are the dates? Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm you know I'm <laughs> fucking retarded. I can swear on this show, right? Uh, you can. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure. Well, we, we did tell somebody, uh, somebody had written to Jeff and said, you know, I'd recommend your show to more people if it were, were kid friendly. And so for like two episodes, we tried to be kid friendly. And then it was right. Yeah, I had a, yeah, that happened to me too. That's strange. I wonder if it was the same person. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, oh yeah. So it's uh, Friday, October 16th, Saturday, the 17th and uh, Sunday, the 18th. So pretty much a week from when you're hearing this. And I know you guys have a lot of listeners Obviously, all over the country, all over the world. But since you guys are New York based, I presume that you know you got a lot of folks in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, and this is the perfect conference for them. You know, because there's awesome speakers there. Let me roll down the lineup: Nick Redfern, Peter Robbins uh, are on the first night, the UFO night, as well as John Horgan. He is the executive producer of the conference, and me, who's the producer. Uh, we're all going to be talking about UFOs, Rendlesham Forest, UFO crashes black helicopters, all that fun stuff. And then on Saturday night, uh, it's a jam-packed night of crypto-type stuff with Lauren Coleman talking about the abominable snowman, Nick Redfern talking about chupacabras, Chris Balzano talking about the Bridgewater Triangle, and Jeff Belanger talking about White House ghosts and other haunted places. And then Sunday's a little bus tour into the, Brid- into the Bridgewater Triangle, exploring some of these various hotspots in there. And uh, 
The two nights, Friday and Saturday, are in Watertown, Mass. So that's only like 10 minutes outside of Boston. Super accessible for anybody in New England or New York, Connecticut, all those places. Um, now, Nancy and, uh, Talbot was supposed to be part of this lineup, and I hear she got bit by a pig. Is that what happened? <laughs> I I know that she got the flu. I can't say for certain that it was any sort of variant on the flu because ah, I don't I know. I don't know if I'm really supposed to be privy to <laughs> any kind of information like that. Um, but I know that she fell ill, so she had to cancel. So then I, I kind of was content to stay in the background on all this. But then once Nancy went down, then it was like, shit, we got to do something. So we sort of improvised and decided that to do this UFO panel thing um, at the end of the night with Nick and Peter and John and people that may be there like you, if you're going to be, you know, in the audience and stuff, we'll rope you into the excitement. And I know Lauren Coleman will be there. Well, here's Alabama, the problem with so. that, Tim. It's that I'm a big uh, professional. Uh, well, I'm sort of famous is what I like to think. And so... In order for me to do that, I'd have to actually be on the panel. I wouldn't just be a guy in the audience who you pull up onto the stage. I would have to have, like, a spotlight, uh, a beverage of my choice worked into the contract, that sort of thing. Tim, in I case you haven't noticed, table. in case you haven't noticed, Tim, he's a bit of a douche. So <laughs> That's what I meant oh, to yeah. say. <laughs> I've known Jeremy for, like, two years. His douchiness is well known by now. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just but trying to solidify. <laughs> you know I'm right here. I can hear oh, everything oh, you guys are saying. Right. Oh. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, I don't know, but the the panel part I think is going to be kind of cool. I'm excited about it just because the more I think about it, uh, some conferences do panels. It's not like we're breaking new ground here or anything like that, but a lot of them don't, or, you know, they get kind of the short shrift, and uh, there's not even that many conferences around here, so I want to kind of also bring not just the idea of presentations to people, but also some kind of, like, dialogue, you know, where we talk about the state of affairs with UFOs and ufology and stuff, at least as far as the UFO night. I'm going to have a much less busy hand on Saturday night for the Monster Mash. I'll do some co-hosting, but I won't be as integral to the whole show. Okay. Well, now... And, oh, let me plug the yeah. website, too, so folks can find oh, it. I'm yes. sure you're going to have linkage up and shit anyway, but it's uh, massmystery.com or just go to maparanormal.com. That's a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish that we can talk about <laughs> after the conference is over. Yes, but, yes. Tim will come yeah. back after the conference and give us the real stories, which which I'm excited for. But uh, just sort of by, by way of that, um, what the hell did I want to ask you? Oh, yeah. Uh, just, you know, you and I had talked privately because somebody had been asking about um, about your show and how you handle the things. The wow factor. The wow <laughs> factor, yes, yes, that you're – Someone who says "Oh wow" all the time, and that they are not a bi- they're not big fans of the "Oh wow," and that got me to, to thinking, um, which I had asked you, and I guess I'd kind of like to hear you talk about it a little bit now that you've had time to think about it. But just that, um, if you're someone who's not an experiencer and you have a radio show and you don't think that there is a truth that we will ever get to in this whole paranormal milieu, and it's all about sociology for you, then do you care whether or not you have? a guest who you know is lying to your face or whether you have a really good researcher who's trying to give you the facts as they see them, does it matter to you since uh, in the end neither of them are going to lead you to any sort of truth? Um, geez, that's complex. Um, <laughs> oh, sh- hmm. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it does matter. I really want more people that are genuine real researchers. You know what I mean? I don't have people, uh, like, I don't want to name names on people I won't have on the show. But, 
Um, and I think, like, the only person that was even remotely in the realm of what you're talking about in that sort of controversial vein would be John Lear, who was the finale this year. And, I mean, that guy's just in a league of his own. There's no, <laughs> you know, like I've said to a lot of people, and believe me, I got a lot of criticism about uh, not challenging John enough. And, and, you know, even I thought after I listened to it, you know, maybe I should have challenged him more here or there. And like I've said to so many people, believe me, there's no one, there's no bigger critic of Banal of America Audio than me. So, um, but I sort of made the conscious decision going into the interview with John that I really wasn't going to challenge him too much on as much on everything that he said. Cause like 90% of what he said was like worthy of sort of getting in his grill about, um, and I just didn't want to get into this, like, gridlock situation where it's like I ask him a question, he answers it, then I have to challenge him on it. And I think we all know that his response would, wouldn't satisfy anyone. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't satisfy the people that think he's full of crap. And it would, I guess, you know, it would satisfy the people that believe him. So it's like you no know, one's going to change their opinion by challenging someone as you know, established and steadfast in his opinions as John Lear. And, mm. and if someone who isn't of, you know, that high, you know, name value, I guess, came on and was saying stuff that deserved challenge, I'm pretty sure I do challenge them. Mm. You know what I mean? But I don't do it in a way that's like, you're a fucking jerk and you're lying to me. You know what I mean? It's more like, oh, dude, that's kind of crazy, though, don't you think? You know, I try to do it in a way there that they're not, like, you know, going to be going to think that I'm trying to come at them because I'm really not. In a way, like you said, uh, if they're all there spewing crap and stuff, if I find it to be kind of, you know, craptacular, then I might, uh, then I'll probably call them on it to a degree. But I also feel like it's up to the listeners to sort of decide, you know, what they believe and follow it up on their own. And I like to think that the people who are downloading these podcasts and stuff, like my show and your show and all the other shows that are pretty well known in this paranormal field, I mean, the audiences are super fucking smart. And they are really hip to what's going on. So, well, don't please don't speak for our audience. <laughs> he said it, folks, not, <laughs> oh, not <sorry>. me. <laughs> um, so, in a way, like I don't want to insult my audience by telling them what to think or telling them that you know, pointing out the obvious. It's like, boy, this guy's full of shit. When you can kind of figure out what I'm, when I'm, when I'm trying to say that, when you know, it's either wow or wow. You know what I mean? You should be able to figure it out. It's not that hard to figure out. So, you know, I apologize for folks who, and I never intended for the wow to become like my catchphrase. It just sort of happened this season, and I noticed it like halfway through. I found it kind of funny. I mean, so when you say wow, it's actually code for I wish this interview were over quicker. Yeah, I'd say there's probably a few wows (laughs) in the show that, yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't, you know, I, I am hard pressed to think of a specific instance, but I'm sure of it. Well, now I'm we sure can go back and listen of... to it, and we'll know exactly who you oh, liked and who you didn't like. Absolutely. So your show now has with... replay value. That's fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the show's riddled with these kind of codes. Like, if you listen and <laughs> if you hear me do a monotone, yeah, that pretty much means, you know, that, like, I, I'm really losing it. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen <laughs> to the episode I was on. No, I'm <laughs> Well, you know, there probably were a few at the beginning of that episode, because <laughs> I really just let you roll as long as you wanted. And then I was like, shit, I've... I've, I've completely this thing's got completely tangled up now i gotta reel jeremy in yeah well how do you when now when you interview someone like me who you know you didn't know at the time uh who has this crazy story i mean do you just take on faith that i'm telling the truth or do you think that you're gonna unravel something during the interview i mean why would you even have me on in the first place 
Well, I found your stuff interesting, and then you became like a media, a part of the media. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I didn't just have you on because of your story. And if anything, like, and this is no slight against you. It's more of a, just a judgment call on people who just have, like, a story and that's all they have. Mm-hmm. And these are like, those are like, I really don't like doing interviews like that because that's the exact situation, what you're describing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here's your story. All I can really do is ask you questions pertinent to what happened to you, and I don't really ever, no one will ever really know what the truth is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're just left with a really cool story. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you do more than that. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. why we had you on the show. It's like, if you're just out there, there's a lot of people out there that are just just have the story. Right. Do you know what I mean? So if, if uh, you know, if that was the case, it, it wouldn't be as interesting. Mm-hmm. Jeff, anything? Uh, no, I'm fresh out, actually. Cool. Uh <laughs> I'm not boring you, am I? No, 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 Tim. What? Um, uh, give me the honest uh, thing here, because I mean, after all, in John Lear's books, uh, I think we're all pretty much government agents at this point. So, really, I mean, what did you th- what did you think of him in general? What do I think of John? Yeah, I think he. I think. I think he genuinely believes what he's talking about, and I, I kind of find. I find. I think I'm hard pressed to believe that he's doing anything at the behest of the government. And I think, I know that you and him had some issues and stuff, and we don't need to get into all that. Like, I know you, you, uh, you know, I know you guys have butted heads or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I just think that, I think he probably believes what he's saying. I don't think he's really working for anyone. I think he hears so many stories yeah. um, from so many people. And I think that he uh, gravitates towards or, enjoys the the most sensational of them all and that seems to be what what you know for lack of a better term turns him on you know what yeah. i mean yeah so and i don't you know but i don't think that he's i don't think he has any malicious intent behind what he's doing and as far as like you know you and you and him butting heads and stuff like like i was saying to somebody else you know i don't even know if john believes what he said about, about you guys being disinformation agents, you know what I mean? But <laughs> in the world of, in the world of the paranormal dude, like that's the most heinous slur you can throw at someone. Yeah, I guess. So I guess. when you're in a, when you're in an internet slap fight, like, <laughs> you know, that one's going to come flying out, you know, whoever, <laughs> whoever pulls the trigger on that one first is, is, you know, <laughs> is the one who did it, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. You know what I, I mean, I mean- well, I'll tell you. I mean, it's interesting that that, uh, and I don't know how he if if he's still saying anything about me or not. But uh, uh, I got to say, I mean, I genuinely have a lot of respect for the guy as far as a pilot goes. I don't think there's anybody who's achieved quite as much as he has uh, in a lifetime in a cockpit. Uh, oh, absolutely. And that, yeah. That's pretty much a fact. Um, and, and I think the the other thing that that John has often said that you really can't hold much against him for this fact alone is that he says most of what he talks about is strictly his opinion. Uh, and he says, you know, I, I could be completely wrong. This is just what I think. And that doesn't mean that's what everybody has to think. Exactly. Uh, so as, as far out, out there as he is on stuff for me, um, you know, I, I think when you preface it by saying that you can say damn near anything and be okay with it. So, uh, you know, so just, just to kind of set the, 
<laughs> set the record straight for that. I mean, I don't, I don't really have any um, extreme animosity towards him other than, you know, I think he spews a lot of crap. But uh, aside from that, seems like a decent guy. Um, and like I said, a hell of a pilot. You can't take that away from him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you unequivocally, you know, that whole scene between all you guys never came up in the interview, obviously, and any of the off off air conversations. So it's yeah, not like yeah. anything. I can tell you that for a fact. So Yeah, I don't I don't think that there's anything I think it's uh, probably still water there. Exactly. Exactly. Very nice. Very nice. Well Tim Banal, give us your uh, stuff one more time, the dates and uh, when exactly I would have to be there uh for the makeup lady. Makeup lady. Or whoever's going to uh, do my and- makeup. I don't want to be sexist. <laughs> all right. The website's massmystery.com. Are we wrapping this up? I felt like we were in a groove all, already, but all right. Yeah, yeah. We got well, we can't have too much Timbanal because you're going to come back on like shortly after the conference. All right. We'll come back on. I'm going to have to like go through my list of stories to make sure which ones I want to <laughs> use and which ones I want to save, but I'll bring some of my best ones. Excellent. Because this one's been packed with, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of good ones this coming uh, next weekend. Um, all right. So the website's massmystery.com pretty simple all one word massmystery.com and uh friday saturday uh, friday october 16th to sunday october 18th friday's the ufo show nick redfern lauren coleman john horgan and me uh saturday the mass monster mash lauren coleman nick redfern jeff belanger and chris balzano and then sunday a bus tour into the bridgewater triangle tickets are super cheap 25 bucks for each night 35 for the bus tour, and chances are that's going to sell out uh, in the next few days. And if you buy them together, it's like, you know, 45 bucks or something to go to Friday and Saturday. So, I mean, some of these conferences are like over 100 bucks, which is crazy. And it's really intimate. There's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a ton of people there. It's not like one of these huge big city type things where everybody's in the hotel and you can barely talk to anybody. It's really intimate. Um, and there's a lot of downtime. And, you know, you're going to be able to talk to these speakers and get a chance to meet Nick Redfern, meet Lauren Coleman, and, you know, share share your thoughts with them and all that good stuff. So it'll there be a good go. time. Well, thank oh, you, sir. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you can just come whenever you want. Just make sure you're there by Friday night. <laughs> all right. And I, I might even bring my mommy because she kind of wants to go. Oh, okay. For real? Yeah. So you can all grill right. her. You can, you can ask her questions, Tim. Just don't. Yeah, just don't tell the just don't tell the locals about your whole scene there in in the Bridgewater Triangle, or else they're gonna they're gonna want to you know. I told you they're gonna want to do some reverse hypnosis with you in their van and stuff. <laughs> some reverse just <laughs> reverse hypnosis? Would that be getting me to lie while I'm awake? Is that what's the oh regression? There you go. Oh. Yeah, they're gonna want to do regression hypnosis. They might want to rub your mom in too. So <laughs> be careful. They'll they'll have a middle of folder <laughs> before you finish telling your story. I'll keep her. I'll keep her uh, away. And maybe, I don't know if Tina Cena is uh, listening. Um, not exactly a girl with two first names, but kind of close. Tina, if you're listening, um, maybe I can stay with you. <laughs> I never get to stay with women, Tim. Tim Denal, everybody. What an awkward way to ask for a place to stay. <laughs> oh, man. You, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I hope to see... The Paratopia folks there, you know, it's great to uh, be working with the Paratopia crew, BOA, Paratopia, you know, no no bad blood between us. I'm, I'm in favor of all the shows working together and stuff, so. Not yet, anyways. Uh, great that you guys have me on. I appreciate, <laughs> what's that? Nothing. <laughs> Let's leave that on. <laughs> I don't even want to. <laughs> 
um, but yeah, all the Paratopia folks, come on out, and uh, it'll be a good time. Very nice. All right, Tim. Thank you, sir. All right, I'll shut up now. Paratopia. So the Jeff. Hey, how you doing? So the Jer. So the Jer. Yeah, I can't function unless it goes according to pattern. Uh, hey, we're at our 40th episode. Yeah. And um, some people like it when just we talk. They skip over the guests. So we're going to save them the embarrassment and uh, <laughs> or whatever. And just have a whole show of us here at 40. Wow. I know. That's exciting to me as well. What will we talk about, I wonder? I don't know. Should we do a retrospective? Should we go over all of the uh, the various people that we've had on and discuss what we learned from them? What our takeaway is? Should we just talk about our day? Should we... What? How about what you did this weekend? What'd you do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you discuss that with our audience, Jeremy? Well, I went to I went upstate. I went up to Whitley Strieber's old cabin country, hmm. and um, do any sky watching while you were up there? Or? Did a little sky watching. We sat. At, well, okay. I I met this woman, Barbara Three Crow, uh, right. uh, who you, you got to refer to as grandmother because that's I guess she's what an elder or something or maybe not i don't know i'm gonna say the wrong thing and and get in trouble um so i'll just say that we had to call her grandmother (laughs) although she didn't look that old but she was uh what 66 something like that mother where i come from because my mom's like 61 in any event um so all right so i meet this woman and and you got to bring her a gift uh so i bring her the gift of green tea because that was the gift of on sale, and I am the gift of poor. So I, I bring her the green tea, and of course, so the first words out of my mouth meeting this woman are, I come bearing, and I almost say gifts, but then I realize, wait, is that racist? Is that like an Indian thing? I come bearing gifts? I couldn't remember, but for some reason, like, so I say I come bearing, and she goes, you come bearing gifts? I'm like, yeah, I come bearing green tea, and I give her the green tea. And that was my introduction to, to uh, Barbara Three Crow. Who is an interesting woman. She um, is not Lakota, but she... I'm starting to get a feel for all of this uh, Native American stuff that's going on. Apparently the Lakota, uh, their their system of spirituality or the old way of doing things or however you want to put that, the indigenous way, is the Uh most complete and intact system. Um, And I think essentially that's because... They, you know, were hid away a lot of their kids from the Christian missionaries who deprogrammed them or programmed them, however that works, sure. to be good little Christian soldiers. And um, so, uh, so a lot of the, a lot, if not all, of the Native American uh, tribes have adopted the Lakota way because it's the only way there is at this point, or the the purest, you know, sort of North American way, I guess. So part of this, like, it was just interesting in talking to her. I was asking her about sexism. Is there sect? Does she, you know, it's, it sounds so enlightened to hear Teoks and Ghost Horse speak of this stuff. And But are there pedestrian issues like sexism and things like that? And she just sort of rolls her eyes like, oh, yeah. So this is, I, I don't know. It, maybe this will be interesting to listeners. I don't know. But I'll just throw it out there that um, there is, for instance, uh, like in the Sundance ceremonies or in Sweat Lodge or in even touching a, a medicine man's sacred ritual objects. Um, if a woman is having her period, her menstruation cycle, which is called uh, 
her moon time? Is that what it is? A moon. Well, I thought it was always her little red-haired visitor, but that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, that's just the Irish. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So she, if you, she's on her moon, then uh, she doesn't get to partake in Sweat Lodge or any of these things. Uh, she doesn't get to partake in the Sundance. She has to watch, and it's something for like twenty-four hours after that. You know, it's it's this sort of because that could get things dirty. <laughs> you could, huh. you could. So, so even though they talk about Mother Earth and and uh, all of this, there's still this sex. She would say sexist thing going on that she knows for a fact was not in the original way of doing things, and she knows this because she has had interactions with the Kogi. She's met a lot of the Kogi mamas, which is what they call their um, spiritual medicine people, and has talked to them. And, and so they consider menstruation blood to be the sacred object because, you know, women, uh, they build up this energy, and if the sperm makes contact at just the right moment, then life is born. If not, then this buildup of energy flushes out in the form of blood, the menstruation cycle, the moon cycle. Um, and so they'll actually take that blood and they'll go and, you know, give it back to mother earth and it'll be sort of a ceremonial thing. So because that's the case and because these people are considered the purest indigenous people, because they were completely untouched by, uh, the invaders, it therefore follows that that was in fact the way and that this sort of sexist, icky menstruation blood thing uh, is a holdover from the Christian missionaries because it was the Christians who made everything, you know, women gross and uh, natives devils and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's just interesting. It's interesting to hear these sort of uh, the politics of all this, you know, and, and um, you know, everyone's it doesn't matter what point of view you come from. Everyone's got their their problems there. Yeah. It doesn't matter how enlightened you get. You've still got these issues to, to hammer out. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we sat in a field with my friend Melissa near Streber's cabin and um, praying that we didn't get ticks. <laughs> yeah. It is a field after all. And we didn't get ticks, which is nice. Um, but we sat there. We, we, you know, we chit-chatted for a while. And then we decided to, well, I decided to sit silently, meditate, whatever, while they're trying to call in craft, which I think is, I mean, to me is just sort of ridiculous. I mean... Uh, these are beings that can come to you whenever they want. Why do you need to sit in a field and call them in? But maybe it'll happen, and then I'll be in a conscious mode when that happens, and uh, how would I react? So part of me is sort of interested in it, even though I think it's stupid on another level. So, all right, So, I, but I'm out there, and I'm sitting there and doing my little meditation thing. I'm just, you know, but I'm trying not to move, you know, because you know how I just sort of move around. Right. And, it, and at one point, Barbara Three Crow says, uh, you have a huge aura and i say well i'm a huge guy <laughs> and you know and make light of it and she says uh well no, no no there are lots of huge guys that don't have uh huge auras and then she turns to melissa and is like know what i mean you know that that sort of thing ha 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 uh and i'm like well you know actually what you don't know is that i'm actually trying to hold in uh hold myself back from moving around you know um but she said basically what she saw was that my aura just went like when I went silent, just went like she made a gesture with her hands, like got huge as if I were sort of like spreading out into the universe or the environment around me or something like that. 
which I thought was I thought that was interesting. I don't know. And then, it, it, but I don't know. So we did that, and you know, we didn't call anything in. So this this was last night, and so this morning I have this dream, <laughs> and in the dream, uh, Bill Burns has called together abductees from all over, right? And so, and Nancy Burns is like half sitting in his lap, half like sort of draped around his left side. And we're like at a, in a town, like on the edge of the earth, because there's like the town just ends and there's ocean and the waves are like licking up against the pavement of the street. And um, so Bill is telling everyone, we need to call them in. We need to get together. Or he's saying this about abductees. You guys need to all get together and call these things in. It's now time to do this. And you and I are sitting together in this dream, and there's this like little crappy wooden fence that you, the kind of fence that you would have if you were growing like grapes, like grape vines, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of wooden, yeah. wooden fence. Uh, and beyond that is uh, Gene Steinberg and Dave Biedney are sitting on the other side of that. And I hear Biedney go, uh, start, just start yelling and heckling at, at Burns, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, of course we should, you know, that sort of thing. And Burns, should, like, sort of trying to answer him. And, and I turn to you and I'm like, who even invited him? Like, why would Burns even invite him? You know that this is going to happen. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Uh, so I decide that, like, it was weird. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself in the dream. I'm like, you know, it's not that I disagree with Dave because I actually do agree with him. But I got to think that there's a better way to express it than just yelling. So I decide to sort of calmly go up to Burns and, like, tap him on the shoulder. I'm like, Bill, don't you think that... that we would have already done that by now if that were possible. Don't you, don't you think we would have all gotten together and have done that and it would have happened? And and that and at this point the ocean like comes in and is like crashing down on Burns. He's like he like has a momentary pause and then the waves are crashing on him and every time he tries to answer, he like gets knocked under by waves so he can't really answer. Uh and that was sort of the dream and so I wake up from that. Now, my friend Melissa is all about dream time. Dreams mean everything. You got to listen to your dreams. Blah blah blah. Huh. So naturally, I mean, well, let me just ask you: What do you think the moral to this dream is? I mean, what do you think that the the story is there? That Gene and Dave are on the other side of the fence, and we should drown Bill Burns in a bathtub. <laughs> right and wrong. Uh, no, <laughs> I think that it's very simple. No. It's simply. Uh, that it doesn't work trying to call them in. <laughs> or at oh. least, you know, I don't think so, or whatever. It's, like, fruitless to sit out in a field with a bunch of other abductees and try to call them in. Like, where either that doesn't work or it's just, at this point, silly. Uh, like, maybe we're beyond that. Maybe it's not about that kind of thing. Uh, now, I think, to me, clearly this is what the dream is. It's just a reflection of how I felt about being out in the field the night before. Now, Melissa comes up with 8,000 me. I ask her, you know, so what do you think the dream means? 8,000 beautiful meanings, but none of them that. You know, all of the meanings have to do with, like, sort of being beyond that or being beyond disclosure or being beyond the nuts and bolts of this and blah, blah, blah. And it's all, I mean, she really contextualizes everything within her framework to where it, the answer will never be, we shouldn't just sit out in a field and look at the sky like morons waiting for ships to come in like that will never enter the equation for her even though clearly to me that's what the dream was and it was my dream <laughs> you know what i mean don't you think that part of that may have been the um, i don't know I, I think we both share the disdain for how bill is portrayed by certain people kind of like well we know that bill has a lot to offer to, to the field but 
people don't seem to really recognize that. They just really associate it with UFO hunters, which they don't like or they don't agree with or whatever. Uh, but that's not the whole of his personality. But yet, some, doing something like this, like you're saying, that uh, it, do you think that could have been why he was associated with this dream? And that, yeah, all we, that we get possible. so aggravated for, for for people perceiving him as being involved in something silly, and therefore, you know, that's what that is. I mean, well, that might that, be possible. But I think the the overall. I mean, I think it's a pretty simple. Like that night, I sat out in a field waiting for Godot, and Godot never came. Just like I knew would happen. Then I had a dream saying, hey, uh, where I say to Bill, don't you think that we would have done that? But, you know, it, it's the same thing over again. I mean, to me, it's like that simple. It's like, yes, there are these little peripheral issues, but I think the core of it is just a replay of what had happened the night before in a dream. You know, just my feelings yeah. about it. Um, that you're getting rid of, which is the, right. what they say dreams are. Is- so, so, so my question then is, why is my interpretation of my own dream uh, you know, if dreams are everything, you got to pay attention to them and all of that. Well, okay. So if I pay attention to this and I take it to heart as in and of itself, then I got to think that, um, that sitting in a field <laughs> looking for aliens is not the way to go. But the person telling me to pay attention to my dreams would never see that in a million years. She would never say, yeah, that's what that dream is saying. Different perspectives, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. But that right. that's just a little sample of like what my weekend with her was like yeah. because it's yeah. all about her trying to tell me, you know, in these sort of terms that she barely understands, uh, how to live my life. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like give it a freaking rest already. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, that was that was part of my weekend, and then the other part was just the beauty of upstate. You know, we went hiking around this. Uh, I don't remember the name of the lake, but maybe someone out there will know it from the description. It's this glacier-formed lake on the top of a mountain near New Pulse, New York, and it's uh, it was sort of famous because the mob had dumped a body there, and 40 years later, you know, the authorities found it, and it was completely intact. It was mummified because something in the water was so pure or whatever the bog, that it yeah. kept, the, uh, kept, kept it uh, alive, but there's no fish. In this lake, which I thought was interesting, there are salamanders, and uh, I did see a snake skin, so you you might not want to swim in it anytime soon, but uh, but people do. Um, but anyway, it just it, seeing that it, what was interesting was seeing this great beauty. I mean, you're talking you know every kind of tree with you know fall foliage and the whole thing, deer and and all of that, uh, just amazing. And then. To come home and, like, go to Twitter, you know, and see, like, the any of the people that I just follow, because that's what you do on Twitter, uh, and see 8,000 listings of, like, conspiracies about UFOs and the government and the government and then this and then that and the, all of this sort of – you just see it differently. It's like all this sort of tight, pensive, paranoid stuff, and it's like, God, if people would just get out more, you really would see that there still is beauty in the world, you know, if you just yeah. go out into it. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. So, had its high points, had its low points. But we we should have this Barbara Three Crow on at some point. I I think um, she would make an interesting guest. She has had contact experiences with reptilians, perhaps. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I was just reading a thing about uh, from uh, Inner Paths to Outer Space about um, uh, reptilians. You know, they're talking about the ancient Sumerian and myths and the Hebrew myths and and all this stuff having to do with reptilians. And at one point they mention um, this 
I can't remember his name, but he's like the foremost shaman writer, shamanic writer, not Terrence McKenna, uh, who writes of this experience um, of, I, I guess, I don't know if it was being possessed by, I don't remember, being possessed by or something, this reptilian overlord who basically you know says, yeah, we created you to be slaves for whatever purpose, blah, blah, blah. But somehow the communication or the whatever it was was located in his spine, like at the top where his spine meets his head. And I don't know if, if I've spoken about it on this show, I think I probably have, of that experience I had where uh, I did the meditation energy, and this is one of those sort of gray basket things that happened to me where I let the meditation energy go one fine night, and it, it rubbed the back of my neck right exactly where he's talking about really, really, really fast. Like just for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, just like heating it up with my hand almost, and then slid me out of bed, didn't like move me out of bed with hands and feet, slid me out of bed onto my floor. And then, I, uh, so I'm lying down on my left side and tapping around my head with two fingers uh, on the floor, just tap, 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 tap in an arc, uh, oh. and then feeling heat rise up from the floor, and then slides me back into bed, and I see... Uh, like my right hand, like as I'm looking at my arm and my hand, it looks like, it looks like some sort of reptilian claw. And I, I have this sense of reptilianness about me. Huh. I don't know what that is. And then I, I don't remember what the rest of that experience is. I think ultimately it just went away and I went to sleep and then I woke up, the alarm woke me up and it was uh, air America radio. And it was some political pundit talking about the reason that Dick Cheney, uh, is so cold and aloof is because he thinks with the reptilian part of his brain. So then I... I thought, huh, that's that was a funny little synchronicity. So I Google searched that, and of course, the limbic system is right about back there. Huh. Uh, so what does all this mean? <laughs> I don't know, but maybe Barbara Three Crow will have some sort of clue. So we should have her on. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, your 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 weekend was vastly more interesting than my own. What did you do, the Jeff? Well, uh, I pondered, Jeremy. I pondered. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> I pondered upon the aspect of never getting it. And I have a question for you, and I'll ask this right on the show because I don't really give a crap. Uh, I'm glad that, that that's our relationship. Yeah. Let's see. How to, how to describe this. <clears throat> I laid on my back in bed alone at night, total blackness, not even a nightlight on. And I shut my eyes, and I just kept really just reiterating that to myself, that I will never get it, that any thoughts that I have of, of any of the paranormal stuff, or for that matter, why we're here, what it's all about, what's going on, any of that, I don't get it, I'll never get it, and uh, I guess for a good half an hour, I didn't. I don't know. It was kind of like I was just saying the words. I didn't actually mean it. And then there came uh, more or less a, a stark realization that I really don't have any toehold on any of this stuff, uh, including the bigger questions that you talked about, I think, on the last show or during one of our discussions in the meantime. And there came a an epiphany that I don't know shit. I never will. And uh, just stop trying. It, it's it's futile. Futility is what I felt more than anything. And at that point, and you can tell me if this is a familiar sensation to you or not, but about right here, 
I got a... And that would be from your nose to your top bridge of your head? Bridge of my nose, top of my, to, to about the middle, well, uh, the upper part of my forehead, about my hairline in the front. Like the whole forehead area started to feel really strange, kind of like something like something was coming out of it. Like a, there, there was like there was something coming out of it. And if something felt broad like mm-hmm. this yeah, yeah. and uh, and there was a physical sensation of, uh, I don't know, unstableness about it. It had a certain amount of uh, feeling of unstableness about it that was uh, not disorienting. I, I opened my I couldn't at that point keep my eyes shut. They literally flew open. My eyes just would not stay shut. My eyes opened up and it felt like my eyebrows were raising and I couldn't make them stop. And the room seemed to have a... Like it was pitch black but I could see everything. Mm. Which was really, really strange because everything had a a kind of like a blue x-ray look to it almost. Uh, and I had the door shut and the blinds drawn. I mean, it was literally pitch black. And I think at that at a certain point, I mean, I I would say it was a good forty five to fifty seconds of this feeling of unease. Of my heart rate went up uh, a little bit, not overly. The, the feeling in the forehead was, I think, the most prevalent feeling. It was just a very strange, strange feeling. And I don't remember seeing anything other than. When my eyes were shut, and I told you, I felt like my eyebrows went up and I had to do this, like, wide-eyed. I, before I actually opened my eyes, it almost looked like someone had a flashlight right here. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing just this halo in in my eyes uh, with them shut. Mm-hmm. And, and it made me open my eyes. And I'm looking around, and I can see in the room. Any of that familiar at all? I mean, because after, after 50 minutes, I did become so uncomfortable with it that... I I basically talked myself out of it and said, "No, I know what this is all. I I got a handle on this." <laughs> <laughs> and and the feeling, uh, I have to say, the feeling, the physical sensation of this was all over, and it literally made me grab the bed sheets and hold tight to them. Hmm. Uh, uh, it yeah. was almost a feeling of floating away or lightness uh, that that seemed strange, almost. It just felt like a newborn would feel trying to take his first steps. That kind of feeling. It was. It was. It was, a, it was just a weird newness that was. Everything looked a little strange. I'll put it to you that way. So, is that something that if you go on long enough with that you see different things besides that, or not? Um. Because I really didn't try very hard for this. I got to be honest. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Try- I mean, all of that is familiar. All of that, and, and especially you know. I mean, every night I have my eyes shut and the room lights up and I open my eyes thinking there's something, you know, a light on or something. I mean, we've talked about this and there's nothing there. So it's got to be coming from inside my eyes. Um, This is very close, though. This didn't feel like it was in the room. It felt like it felt like it was a light, like a flashlight held right against here, right Mm -hmm. against the middle between my eyes. Yeah. I mean, all of that, all of that's familiar. what, What will you see beyond that? I don't know, because the thing is, for me, for me, things un- don't unfold in a this, then this, then that sort of way. It unfolds right. in a, this here and this way over here and, th- you know, this bit from another place. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's not, I can't really say there's, it's going to unfold in a linear way. It's going to be 
It might for you. I don't know, but it might well, be a bunch it, of a bunch of shit wakes up. You know. Well, here here's the weird part is that uh, uh, as I laid back down uh, to kind of just I don't know that I wanted to get back to that point, but when I felt that I was. Uh, I, I couldn't be sure if I was getting used to the sensation of this or whether it was leaving. And I did at that point say, no, I, I don't want this right now. I do know what's going on a little bit. I think I have a little. And that just kind of made it all stop at once. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I was just telling myself, grounding myself to what I think I know <laughs> kind of made it subside. And as I laid back down and shut my eyes, I saw hydraulic imagery, like uh, pistons within my closed eyes. Mm -hmm. I saw shadows of, uh, not gears, but like uh, weird, curved, pistonic-looking things that were just very bizarre-looking. And I, I recognized that a little bit from some stuff that I saw as a child in that five to nine year old experience stuff where I would have those variables, one being hands coming into the light and certain things like that. But I also, in those early experiences saw very dark, rusty pipes in certain areas of the environment that wherever I apparently was, if I was in my room, then they were in the room. If they weren't, then somewhere else, almost akin to that. Only these things were moving. They were undulating. They were moving back and forth. They were, Going in and out of view was like I was moving through them in some way. So I I don't know if that would have been some kind of visual hallucination from actually seeing this strange blue kind of, I don't know, X-rayish looking stuff. Like I could see the edges of things, but not the center of things. Mm -hmm. If I looked at a chest of drawers, I could see the outline of it and some of the detail features, but not front facades of anything mm-hmm. it's very weird well one of the uh, things in this inner past outer space book and maybe it was the same story as the reptilian or maybe it was another one i don't remember but there's a story of guy in bed uh next to his wife who's reading and and all of a sudden he finds himself sort of immersed in this other environment now he, his wife is still next to him he can hear her flipping the pages he can feel himself still in bed but the whole environment has changed. I gotta wonder if that's not what uh, could result from from this at some point, maybe sooner for you than me. Because where I am, I mean, when we were out in that field, when I shut my eyes, I don't know. Sometimes I don't, I, I don't even know what to say here. But sometimes it's like these giant beads of light just bouncing around in nothingness. Uh-huh. Um. But that, but when we were out in the field, it was that, and it morphed into this flashlight-like center or star-like center around which, almost like a kaleidoscope bunch of imagery was happening of these beating and zipping around lights and all that. And that is the onset of the DMT experience. That's like those first stages of seeing these, uh, you know, geometric shapes and lights beating around and zipping around and all that sort of stuff. So... If that is the same or similar to that, then what comes next? The vision, right? Right. So, you know, it is quite possible that... that um, Elves. Yeah, I mean, fairies, because for me, <laughs> as you know, for me, the thing that started was an energy sort of feeling like it was entering and coming up through me and then 
moving my head around. I mean, I didn't get to the third eye opening and all that sort of stuff until later. So um, if you don't need any of that other crap that I needed, then you could just be right there automatically, you know? And so maybe it'll unfold differently. Is is that what the, the forehead thing is? Is that the... The alleged third eye, yes. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I, I well, mean, what I is mean, that? who knows what that... What does that mean? I mean, it's a, an energy center that's there. It's associated with, I don't know, the pineal gland, is it? I'm not sure, which is ah. sort of deep in the center. And I don't know. I mean, my, my question about it is... Uh, this is what people say they use to communicate with other dimensions or whatever spiritual shtick. Right. Um, my question is: when you open your eyes and you see more in the room, or you see flickering light, or you see patterns and stuff, is that you projecting into Something. the room, or is that is that like a flashlight lighting up the room and you can see more of what's actually there in front of you? That's the only right. thing I don't know about it. You know? Huh. I don't well, think anyone I, has a good good answer to that. I, I mean, I wish I could have kind of had the. I mean, I I didn't really have a good presence of mind when I felt this feeling because it is a rush type feeling, uh, or at least it was to me. There was a definitive point where my head, uh, or if you want to call it subconscious or whatever, there was definitely a fight going on there, to where part of me is saying no, I do get it, but then just saying, you know, really, you don't, and you never will, so stop trying, <laughs> you know, stop it, just stop it, you know, you're an idiot, you're never going to get this, it's beyond anything you could do, just give up, and when I said that, there felt to be a tugging going on there, and I could feel almost a liftoff point, I could feel a point where it was just kind of like, uh, here it comes, and boom, this thing in my forehead just, I mean, it felt like my hair was like, you know, the Van de Graaff generator had gone off on the front of my face. Did, were you, um, did you feel, um, did it feel unnatural or to you, or did it feel natural? It, it didn't feel unnatural. It, it felt you strange. About it, when you thought about it, that's when it sort of became fearful, right? And it's like, well, I when it, I when I, well, I have to be honest with you. And the first thing that, that entered my mind when I sat up was, did I just sit up? Because <laughs> I'm contaminated with your bullshit, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking any minute, am I going to start moving? And I don't know if I want that or not. And that then led me into, you know, I think I need to say to myself, you know, I need to try to hold on. I was like, I was holding on to the bed sheets as if that's some kind of way of holding on to my, my notions, you know, uh, once I let those notions go in this very, I was a very relaxed state. I have to say, well, thing is you could have just gotten up and shaken it off if you wanted to. Well, I, I actually thought about, you know, it wouldn't have been interesting to go over and just touch the chest of drawers. To see if this blue, I don't know, it was almost a plasma-like looking stuff. It was, it was really strange. It was really strange looking. But I always was like, well, what would happen if I touched it, you know? And, I mean, maybe next time I'll be a little bit more used to that sensation. But it is an incredibly strange feeling. Well, wait till you, it, uh, wait till you shut your eyes and then you can still see the room. That's going to that's gonna really freak well, you out. Well, and I think the other thing that, that kind of got me a little agitated was the notion that I'm in a black room and I'm seeing things and, and everything is where it's supposed to be. But when I first laid down, I couldn't see anything. There's no light in this room. There's no windows that are open to be able to see nor light from underneath the door. I mean, I literally stuffed a towel underneath the door. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no way that anything is lit. And that was the first thing I did was when I sat up, I went like this, like, where is that coming from? <laughs> and I'm looking around. And then I, I said, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was like this. All of a sudden, I'm realizing this. And I'm like, doesn't this feel weird? Huh. This is weird. Can't wait to tell, oh, did I sit up? That was like my thought pattern right there. And I'm like, I'm thinking any minute, is all this going to disappear and I'm going to fly away to someplace else? I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Uh, So there, I just started talking myself out of it. So I'll tell you, I I almost, you know, I almost want to say to people listening, you know, if you want to feel that, it, it it doesn't take a whole – I mean at least for me, it didn't take a whole lot of effort to sit there and go over and over and over to yourself in your head. I don't know what any of this is about. Everything I've said is wrong. Uh, it, it, it just just stop it. Just stop it and and let it go. Let go everything that you think you know, everything that you think you know about why we're here. Let go of all religion. Let go of all outside contaminants. Just say, it's all wrong. None of it's right. I don't get any of it. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And I think for me, that's when all of a sudden I go, you know what? I really don't know what's going on. Where the fuck am I? What's going on? And it's that, I don't know. I can't explain it. But uh, there all of a sudden just becomes this absolute, like, half of you saying no and half of you is repeating this over and over, over and over. And eventually the other side goes, yeah. Right, move, <laughs> and then it's it's like it hits you like a brick wall. It's it's it it is a rush like feeling. It feels like a rush that all of a sudden you realize, oh my god, what is going on? And and it it just hits you all at once. And then all of a sudden, I would be surprised if somebody gets to that point and can describe that feeling and doesn't have something in their forehead that just feels like you've been whacked. Mm-hmm. And you're getting a huge egg on the front of your face. It's very strange. Um, well, good. Now so you know I, I'm not nuts. No, no. I, I, I mean, we've talked before about when I've tried to do anything meditative where I feel the top of my head stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, And I only got that in one other place in a non-meditative state, which was standing on the road shot where Ed Walters shot the famous photograph of the Gulf Breeze. Mm-hmm. Craft. You, they had a blue circle painted on the road where that was. And when you stand on that blue circle, you can feel the top of your head stretching. I wanted to say something. Uh, the last episode you'd said, um, talked about that high strangeness feeling. And sometimes you'd feel it when you're doing artwork. Yeah. Uh, and it dawned on me. I'm like, duh, why didn't we even mention this? That that probably what that is, because I, I, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, it is when your right brain becomes dominant. Huh. I mean, that's what that feeling is. <laughs> okay. So it's like the left brain rationality shuts up for a while and right brain free flow creativity thing happens. Right. Um, it be- you become that floaty sort of weird state, whatever. Yeah. You know, only person now, on the planet state. Now, now when, I, um, when I tell you about this feeling in the forehead and, and, and that, that everything just looks kind of weird and you feel kind of weird – Mm-hmm. Do you stay there all the time? Yeah. I mean, is that how you feel <laughs> all the time? Uh, and how how do you acclimate yourself to that? Well, I think it's, it's you know. I mean, it, the thing is, it 
the reason I asked you what, if you felt it was natural or not is because I felt and still feel like it's completely natural. And it's only when I think about it that I think, oh, my God, this shouldn't be happening. Therefore, it's unnatural. But that's actually the unnatural response, because what I really want to say is like, this is great, you know. So you don't feel that way right now. Um, no. Do I have like this thing, you know, the, the forehead thing going on now? No, no, but I will say that it is open. Like I've said before, I mean, I think something in me is opened up permanently to where I now see things. Yeah. Even in this state, just talking to you, I'll see huh? things in the air floating around or flying that are yeah. like white, black, and sometimes red energies for lack of a better term. I mean, maybe they're, I don't know, ethereal bugs. I don't yeah, know who knows what the hell they are. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they are, but, um, but yeah, they zip around and they fly around and all that. And I didn't ever see that before this. So hmm. there is that. That's strange. I mean, I, I can't imagine actually functioning, feeling like I did. Like I can't imagine asking someone a question because immediately the question and the anticipation of an answer would cease it. Hmm. As, as big of a rush feeling as it was when it came on, I could – it. Uh, oh, well, here's the other thing. It did have the feeling of more real than real. Uh-huh. That that is very apparent. Mm-hmm. That is very very apparent, and I think that that is um, you feel like you're hanging by a thread with it. Like had the door opened and light would have come in, I think it would have stopped it. Mm-hmm. Had I got up, it may have stopped it. The thought of having to take a step, or the thought of am I going to trip over something? Are there clothes on the floor? Did I take my shoes off? Mm-hmm. All those kind of questions. It felt like you had dragged yourself up onto some kind of peak for like one panting moment before you slip back down. And it's very much that kind of feeling. It's not like something I think I could hold on to uh, yeah, for, for all that long. It's the moment. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. once you think, then you're back in time. And so it's the moment is over. Right. Uh, but for some reason, I mean, with me, at least with this thing. You've seen me do it where I'm talking to people and it's still happening. All that. I mean, so something is opened or perpetually on now where I can have thoughts and I can have conversations and all that and still be doing this. I mean, it, it's, of course, the connection or whatever is weaker, but right. it's still there. Um, so even if it feels like like you can't hang on to that, I think you can become at least a <laughs> dual, uh, well, dual yeah, well, th- creature. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think had I laid there and, and stayed laying down, had I not sat up going, wow, what's that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I know. I mean, I could have done this laying on my side easily. What if I just laid there and let that feeling happen and just let it keep going? You know, I mean, I, I would assume at a certain point, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but because I don't know, but I, I would have to think that at some point there's got to be some kind of equalization that goes on there where that strange feeling becomes your somewhat normal <laughs> feeling. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe more happens after that. Maybe you do see things, maybe you experience different things, but uh, I don't know. I, I it, there wasn't any feeling of, of threat or fear, but surprise. Yes. I was very surprised. Um, I, the first thing I did was rub my forehead. Like, what is that? I feel that. I mean, it felt like, you know, if I walked too close to the door, something was going to bang. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, way out here. Right, right. You know? <laughs> Whoops. I mean, it felt like there was something sticking out of my head, ball-shaped, like mm-hmm. this, you know? 
So I, I find that pretty encouraging if that's all I really had to do was to sit and Yeah, pop, the answer ponder, is right under our noses this whole time. Ponder that. Yeah, to ponder that. Which which you know leads me back to the question that we've asked each other before, which is what the hell are we doing this show for? <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you know, we're we're talking to people, we're questioning people. I realize that we don't know what this is. I get that. What is it? I, I mean, I don't know. There's there's I'm sure plenty of people out there that would say, uh, well, you know, voices in the head, schizophrenia, blah, blah, blah. And all sorts of every other mundane excuse that you can think of, uh, psychological excuse, uh, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I didn't see aliens. I didn't see any of that stuff. But uh I don't know that I wouldn't have mm-hmm. uh, had I stayed in that and seen where that progressed to or if it progressed at all. I don't know that it would have. So, I mean, really, if we're – are we regulating this to consciousness of some sort in – I mean, we are. I think we always have said that this has much more to do with consciousness and human perception than it does little green men. Mm-hmm. So – where do we go with this from here? I mean, this is number 40. Right. You know, this is 40 weeks. It's a long time. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, we haven't on this show entertained, I think, a lot of the common people. I mean, we had Stan Friedman on. Uh, you know, we, we had some other people. We even had some ghost people on. We had a psychic on. So you know, where do you go from here? I mean, we've got another guest coming up that's a big surprise, but it's going to be a great show. But, uh, I mean, aside from him, I don't know that there's a whole lot of people that I am really all that keen on talking to. <laughs> are you? Um, there there are a few. I mean, you know, there's someone I'll talk to you about off the air that I just saw a book in a store and I said, huh, I bet she's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, what what's the point of going on with anything? Uh, you just do it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, you're exploring. I mean, if, if you're saying that this is about consciousness, then it's exploring the shallows and the depths that, of it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll be the odd duck in the crowd, I suppose, when it comes to that. I mean, because it really, I mean, to me. I mean, to me, what what are we doing with the show? I mean, what if we always, you know, not to be like tooting our horns as I'm prone to do, <laughs> but I'll do it one more time. I think we're giving an upgrade to this entire story, to this entire field by doing what we're doing, how we're doing it, you know, by not doing the anger thing and not doing the giving over to amazement thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and by keeping it, what it is about, because it is about consciousness. Even if you say aliens and humans, well, what does that mean? I mean, we're yeah. talking about what, what does that mean? Just physical organisms from another planet? No, it means this seemingly higher or other or deeper consciousness. How do you relate to that? Without be unless you can become it, <laughs> or become like it, become as as it is, even if it still has its human flavor, and that's sort of, I think that's sort of what we're getting to in a way. You know, is like how do you change the whole dialogue about this stuff? How do you become equals with this stuff as opposed to just always, you know, trying to figure out the riddle and the amazement of it and all of that? Um, how do we get to that next phase of being freaking human beings? Huh. I don't know. I, I mean, but I think it's interesting to have people on this show with that perspective and see how it um, affects them. You know what I mean? And see 
you know, the, the, the line of questioning that we give, does it change their game at all? You know, I mean, how many guests have come on the show and said, like, wow, that was really great. Thanks. You know, right. I've not right. had this kind of question before. So, you know, at the very least, we're getting guests to open up to new, you know, ideas and new questions that they might not have thought about. Yeah. And, and so maybe it's sort of a trickling effect on their work and therefore the whole field. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the interesting thing was that I, th- I had the thought over the weekend about Mitch Horowitz. Mm-hmm. And the book he wrote, and, and it really it occurred to me, and maybe some people already knew this, but it was kind of like a revelation to me to think that what we had him on the show to discuss were, you know, what was his book, uh, Occult America. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about that, you're really – I was really going back to what we were saying about occultism. And uh, in a private discussion, we were talking about occultism and what does what does that mean when we say the occult? What what are we talking about? We're talking about the cultural bias of dealing with the unknown, uh, or the definition of the cultural uh, aspect of it that we're looking at. And really, his whole book doesn't really deal so much with the subject, the core subject at hand, but rather. You know the, the cultural reaction in America to the unknown or the unknowable, the enigma, whatever you want to call it. Put it, put whatever label you want. Uh, that's really what that book is about. It's not about what we're trying to get at. It's the response to it and all of the different incarnations of that response. Um, you know, like we, we, like you were saying, we we take a word like abracadabra, you know, and it's and it's got this magical meaning, but but. It really doesn't have any meaning. It's the it's a symbolic act, and whatever that symbolic act, whatever whatever label that we want to put on that, or whatever meaning we want to put on that, has some basis in dealing with the the enigmatic. But it's maybe not the way that that we think. It just has a desired effect that people want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it really, I mean, when I started thinking about that in relation to this forehead thing and all of that weirdness. I can very much see how someone could take that ball and run with it, you know, and and make up all kinds of strange things. Like like the, the the whole chakra thing seems ridiculous to me. In the notion that the first time I ever heard of chakras was guess where? Career. Nope. But way before that. I don't know. Shirley MacLaine. Ah. Out on a limb. <laughs> that was the first place I ever heard that word. And, and I, you know, and I thought, ridiculous, you know, because, of course, back in the day when I was a kid, everybody was talking about that movie and laughing about it. Uh, oh, my God, can you believe this woman? She's out of her mind. So that's kind of, you know, pissed in that pool a little bit for me to understand what all of those things mean. But I got a really great Alex Gray book uh, a couple of weeks ago with all of, a lot of his paintings in them. And uh, that's some very strange stuff. And a lot of it seems oddly familiar to a lot of things that you've talked about with these centers of, of some kind of consciousness awakening in, in the physical body itself. Mm. Um, and you, and you, you slowly realize that there's no way this guy could know this or have them in such spots with such accuracy unless he knows about this stuff or he's very, you know, we know he is very into that kind of stuff, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I wonder about, the definitions that we put on these things and these experiences. And I think you know, that woke me up to 
this is what the whole UFO thing is. This is what the whole ghost thing is, is something we don't know about. And we're putting this label onto it as human beings having this experience. When, if we'd step out of that, you know, if we'd step out from behind that curtain or that veil, what would we see it as then? You know, that'd be curious. Well, you know, let's get back to your original question because you have always said that you do this show for selfish reasons. So what do you see the show as being, or do you see your selfish reasons? Uh, do you feel like you've gotten all you're going to get out of it for yourself or, or what are you saying? What, what do you think the direction is? Uh, I don't feel like ufology in general has anything to offer me anymore. I don't feel like there is really any point to visual analysis anymore. Pursuing the government cover-up, entertaining or discussing it. I find more and more very little that I have in common with anyone else in ufology besides you and I. Um, Isn't that sad? Uh, yeah, it is. I think, and I mean, in a lot of ways, we're not on the same page with some stuff as we are others. But I think, by and large, we agree with each other's thoughts a lot. We trust on this each stuff. other. Like you're the only well, person I can think of that I'm like. If you tell me, "Hey, dude in black cloth had a conversation with me in my living room," I'm like, yeah, right, <laughs> All yeah. right. And out of anyone else's mouth, no, <laughs> right, right, right. And I think there are certain people on the message board that I think I connect with the same way. And that's after so long in this. I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't believe that we would be the only people who see more to the UFO thing. Let's just take that small snippet of the overall picture. The UFO thing, I can't imagine we're the only people that say, you know, that's not it. There's something bigger going on here that almost feels like a symptom of something bigger. I can't imagine we're the only people that feel like that. Now, in fact, I know we're not. But as far as me, as far as I go, I, I don't see... I, I don't think there's anything more that it, it is offering right now uh, as far as the public venue goes. Now, I think I think the experiences definitely have more to <laughs> to go. And where that's going to go, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to admit that the guy in the black sheet, as you say, uh, I, I, that has on several instances made me question my sanity, to be honest with you, which is not unlike – what it was, you know, a little over a decade ago when the the alien presence of sorts, if you want to call it that, kind of entered into the the fray Am I allowed to talk in, about, in, a, in a big way. Am I allowed to talk about the pictures that you sent? Yes. <laughs> All right. So Jeff sent me some pictures uh, where we tried once again to discuss Guy in Black on the show. Uh, and he woke up, what, I guess, feeling that um, he was having these nightmares where he was running, and he woke up and his calves were really hurting as if he had been running all night, and his back felt like it was on fire, like it was sunburned. He showed his wife, and she was like, oh my god, <laughs> you've got to quit doing this podcast, you've got to get out of this. Yeah. He took two pictures of it, he sent it to me, and his back looks, I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's not, hey, maybe Jeff slept wrong. Uh, it's 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 did, no. did jeff get into a fight with wolverine or did he get whipped because right. his back is just all this way and that way slash marks and i mean mm. bloody looking slash marks and um so your your insanity didn't create that i mean there's two there's two choices that happened to you 
or you and your wife are committing a hoax against me for no apparent reason. <laughs> like those are the options. Yeah. Because you don't well, even want those pictures to be public. So it's not like you're no. committing a, a fraud on the public. <laughs> <laughs> this was weeks and weeks ago. So it's not I've like got it. we've been hoax about it on the show. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I'm sure that, well, I, and I know that my wife then told her sister about it, and her sister said, he needs to get away from this again. Uh, it's getting too close. It's getting too visceral. I mean, immediately, I think when somebody sees that kind of abrasion, uh, immediately the thought goes to, it's evil, it's evil, it's evil. And that's that's definitely not what I got. I I think you more or less have to say to yourself that, you don't know what's going on and that you don't understand what you don't even understand that you're being taught something mm-hmm. or you're being you're being uh, somehow conditioned to deal with a different part of life and that there are rules to that apparently that you know nothing about. And there is no other way you can't be just told, you know, it's a it's almost like you're being this is a bad word, but processed to understand you're you're being taught and and yeah i would say getting whipped is a hell of a way to learn but you it certainly makes the point i have to look at and to be honest and i do i did get scars from that actually which is kind of ridiculous but you ever see this guy again ask him are you a good guy or a bad guy are you working for the light have. Have. <laughs> you have what did he say don't worry about uh <laughs> I, more or less that I'm just not you know, that that I thought I was ready to continue with all of that, and um, you know I'm not apparently. And the fact that I was uh, quote unquote punished, you know, for a lack of judgment skills, you know, pretty much proves that. So that there's I don't want to, and I certainly don't want to say that there's a some kind of force interacting here that doesn't want us to do this show i I don't feel that at all but i feel that there is a certain amount of uh the exact words were you will learn decorum (laughs) so um well i don't understand when you said are you a good guy are you evil did he say yes no did he give uh, answer to that well i didn't i didn't exactly say that i said um i think my attitude was more what the hell You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessary. You know, that kind of was the kind of attitude that I had. I, I almost was, was a little aggravated about it. Um, and again, this is one of those, you know, you walk out of a room and, boom, you know, there it is. I could do with a little bit of easement into this into the, the, the experience with this person. And it never seems to go that way. It always seems to be, <laughs> you know, boop. And um, I, I didn't. I didn't really ask. I, I just kind of said, well, "What you know? What was that for? What, what was the purpose in that? Because that actually really hurt." Uh, I, I mean, I was sore all day from that. Especially my shirt was sticking to it because it was just oozing. You know, and, and that was the answer. I was like, "You you will learn. You know, you are learning, and there are rules, and uh, you know, you will learn decorum when it comes to speaking about this." And and you know, I don't think I've been flippant about it. I, in fact, I haven't talked very much at all about it for fear of just that thing. Uh, and I didn't find anything, or at least I didn't feel at the time, anything objectionable about talking about it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the crossing of the line is very blurry to me. It still is. 
you know, it, it still is a little weird. But I mean, I, I didn't ask is is it good or bad or anything like that because I don't I don't get a sense of either of that. I you know, like I said, I, I don't I don't understand how anything could be bad and give you the sense of feeling that you have around this guy. Uh, it, the, the, you know, I have to hold true to how I how I how I, my emotions feel in that in that place, you know, and I don't feel that. I, I definitely don't feel evilness about it mm-hmm. and you know you know how i feel about it because i've told you how or what it feels like and, and at some point i will ask you know am, can i say that on on here can i say that to everybody on here mm-hmm. and it, you know and if it's a yes then i'll say exactly what it means and it's not anything like what people think so so you're back in contact with this guy uh not for very long hmm. but yeah just just long enough for that long enough to be told that i'm i'm uh I may feel like I'm okay, but I'm not okay, and I need to I need to ponder it more. I need to ponder the whole thing more. I think I've been too busy trying to communicate it to other people, and mm. it's not about that yet. Mm. It's not about that. I don't know if it's ever going to be about that. It's about pondering everything else, and um, uh, namely issues about me. So you know that's that's kind of where it, it comes from. But uh, but then you know you see. I think my wife said it was Oprah yesterday. I don't watch Oprah, but they had some little girl in there who's schizophrenic. She's seven years old or something like that. And um, they asked her about her schizophrenic experiences. And she said that she goes to a place called Cannellini. And when Oprah said, what is that? And she says, "That's, that's the space between your reality and mine. And she sees beings there, and she talks to these beings, and she talks to these people. And I don't know, it, it, you know, you hear stuff like that, and you're like, "Holy shit, is that? Am I crazy? Is that what this is?" But well, is she of course, diagnosed. Uh, well, I mean, you you wonder. Um, I, I think McKenna was one of the first people to say, "What do we mean when we say somebody is schizophrenic? What exactly does that mean?" And are those people always diagnosed correctly? You know, I mean, I'm sure there are some people who are genuinely mentally ill. I don't mean to say that sure. that's an untrue thing across the board. I'm sure that there are. But you have to wonder how many people have a, a mystical experience, whatever that may mean. And it's it's treated as some sort of illness because it is in your face and it is right there in front of you. And you can't not talk about it with other people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I certainly don't think I'm insane, believe me, but, you know, I don't know. There there seems to be something's being guided to somewhere that has to do with my own sense of spirituality, I guess, is what it is. And it's more or less not connected to anything but the notion of the perception of reality itself. How's that? Does that mm-hmm. make any sense? Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not that easy to to describe, but the notion of being grounded in this is well. Look, hard I, to talk about. That. If I tell you that the the thing that helped me, you know, as I said in the forum, it was positive negation, using that in my own sense of self, uh, which is that you can't know. For instance, you can't know what love is by saying what it is, by defining what it is. You can only know what it is by peeling away what it isn't, and then perhaps it reveals itself. Mm-hmm. So you go down the list, well, what are the things that we associate with love? Let's see, jealousy, 
sex, um, fear, fear, compa- <laughs> you know, companionship, all that, all that selfish me, me, me stuff. So you, when you really look at it, you really examine, and you say love is not that, love isn't that, love isn't that, and then you're left with, huh, you know, and then perhaps it reveals itself. I mean, that's a microcosm of the macro peeling away everything, and perhaps the reality of it reveals itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think doing that to your own psychological issues makes you a little bit less blocked so that that can happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that my telling you that is any different than this guy telling you to work on your own issues so that, and then the final issue, of course, being what you just said about, you know, our toehold on reality or the notion of reality. Yeah. Um, the difference is I didn't just uh, slash your back into uh, kibbles and bits to tell you this. So I'm wondering yeah. why he needs to do that. Why, why all the dramatic stuff when it is something that a human can relate to you and you can have that third eye opening over the weekend or whatever as a result? Then why, why all the dramatic stuff with this otherworldly being? You should ask him that. Well, I already know oh. because I still question whether or not it's real. Hmm. And that leads into a whole deeper question of what do you mean real? What does that mean? You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it gets very, very deep from there. And, and I know I'm not going to be able to verbalize it any, any way that anybody's going to understand from me. So um, it, it's, it's freaking ponderous and, and uh and actually, a couple of things that Lane said on, on the last show um, figure into to certain portions of this for me that, you know, th- those people who are who are dead from this reality or whatever you want to call it, you know, their shell is expired. And the notion of them being far away, you know, is something that 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 uh, I'm I, I am feeling that that's a lot less true than we think far away in the sense that we can't physically see them all the time or put our hands on them or whatever. But the notion of them being a hell of a lot closer than what we think or ex- even existing in the same space. How about it? How about that? How about that way of looking at it? And all of those different layers being almost inconsequential of the other. I think this has something to do with it. I think this has a lot to do with, you know, one of the things that I always hear experiencers talk about and something that I never really have had very much of has been this thing of, um, aliens telling them they got to take care of the earth. They got to stop uh, the nukes and they've got to do this and they've got to do that and pollution and all of that. You've even spoken to some of that. I never had that. I never had that experience at all. And now all of a sudden at 42 years old, now that's become almost the forefront runner is like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing here, you know? And the, and the notion of your actions here having, greater consequence than just you (laughs) and just, you know, your little world that you're floating around in space on. That's all you think it matters. I I think it is. I think there are things affecting, and I don't think it's just nuclear weapons or any of these kind of things. I think there are other things that significantly impact these other layers that we can't visibly see, but nonetheless exist, you know, and you can even go into a little bit of Hanson stuff here with the trickster stuff that is, the gatekeeper of not letting us know that too quickly. That's the way I see the trickster theorem anymore is that this is the, this is the buffer zone. You're not allowed to know that right now because you're not there. 
And you can't recognize that for what it is because what you're doing here affects things over there. If that trickster element weren't there, then we'd know everything, wouldn't we? We'd know where we're going after we die, and we're not allowed to know that for some reason or another. So these are kind of like the enfoldments of all this stuff, and it gets more and more complex the further you get into it. So, you know, all the way back to that, am I getting anything out of this anymore? Yeah, I am. But I think as far as talking about Socorro or Roswell. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think we've made it clear that uh, we care about that stuff from day one. Yeah. Well, I used to have an interest in it. I mean, I I just kind of – I don't even care anymore about that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, whatever. But I think it's fine. I think the audience is with us. I think, like, a lot of the audience – well, I hope. I mean, because I think there's fed up with this it, stuff too, and and wanting real answers or at least real questions that have yeah. more to do with, I don't know, philosophy, life, something, spirituality. Dare I say, than just you know, we need disclosure and answers and all that. Right. That all just seems so archaic to me. It's like <laughs> God, UFOs are so two minutes ago. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and that's not to say that, again, that, that I have any answer at all. I mean, there to me, there's still this, this huge unknowing thing that I just can't put my finger on. But Yeah, but the answer uh, we have is that that set of questions is irrelevant at this point. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, I mean, people know that already. They know that if you want that show, you go somewhere else. Um, and we made that clear that we were going to go outside the field and talk to – I mean, maybe we're narrowing it down more is what you're saying, because before it was like, let's, I guess. let's talk to NASA people. Let's talk to this, that, and the other. And now it's like, well, let's not even bother that whole milieu. <laughs> let's just consciousness. So. Let's just yeah. talk about the trickster. Let's just see what psychologists have to say. Or, you know, I mean, God, can we get a philosopher on this program? I don't know. I mean, that'd be interesting, too. Yeah. I mean, this is something that my my, uh, my friend Dan, who you may re- recall is one of the drunk people on my uh, <laughs> comedy roast track on my movie. Oh, okay. Um, he he wants desperately to come on the show. I, I desperately don't want him to. <laughs> no. Okay. But he, he, keeps, he keeps saying to me, you know, he listens to the show, and he's like, do any of these people, have they ever heard of, and then he'll go down the list of philosophers. He's like, because a lot of this stuff about thinking and non-local thinking and all that, all that stuff has been covered. And everybody talks about it like it's they're just discovering it for the first time. And I'm like, well, no. I mean, that's what the New Age people do. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they, they take physics. They take a piece that they've heard here and there. And they go, oh, we know what this is all about. This reconfirms all of our beliefs. And whether ultimately it ends up doing that or not isn't the point. The point is that, that they want themselves reconfirmed as people Mm. and that's what it's about for them um but i mean specifically he hasn't really heard a lot of our show he heard the lane uh crosby episode Mm -hmm. um but he's just always thought that in general about sort of new agey types who i'll talk to him about and it's like yeah i mean i I don't know i i guess we should have some of those people on and see what they have to say maybe they'll be like yeah this was this is all answered (laughs) a lot of this stuff was answered yeah well, I think you could make the same correlation about hardcore ufologists in the same way. It's that they, they'll take a certain piece that seems to fit their theorem and, and on we go. You know, I mean, how many times have we sat and said, you know, you, you're not really going to become any kind of solid face in ufology unless you're willing to take a stand 
on a topic and beat it to death mercilessly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Stan Friedman, but goddamn, since I was a child, I've seen Stan Friedman talking about Roswell. And that that seems to be like the only way we really get uh, any sort of uh, well, audience to a lot of the problem. De- We're not talking. See. We're not talking about ufology anymore. This is the thing. No. It's like it's like Tim Banal. You know, I I hope I can make it and be a part of that discussion on where ufology needs to go uh, at the Monster Mash or whatever it's called. And Mash what is the Mash. date for that again? Well, that's October sixteenth, seventeenth, nineteenth, right? Okay, October something. Whatever that weekend Don't is. Don't forget the twenty fourth. We are in ye old Gettysburg. That's right. We're doing ghosts, ghosts of Gettysburg. But my my point is that. Ultimately, and I think at least a couple of the people on the panel, I mean, Nick Redfern and um, I think even um, Peter, uh, what's his name? Robbins. Peter Robbins will agree that what we need to do is A, not have answers anymore, um, and B, look more toward this broader paranormal view uh, of which UFOs and supposed aliens are a part. Um, which that, you know, I, I, I know that's Nick Redfern's take on it and I'm pretty yeah. sure that's Peter Robbins, even though he wrote a very, you know, nuts and bolts book about it, you know, left at Eastgate. But I mean, ultimately they, they walk away thinking the same thing. This is about consciousness. Um, so what isn't it about then? It isn't about ufology. So to fix ufology, you gotta get rid of ufology because it's not a study anymore in the the, the way that it's always been. I mean, yeah. you might as well give it to the disclosure people and let them ruin it th- at this point instead of fighting against them. Um, like, you know, if they really think that they're a new, <laughs> the new science of this, as Bassett right. would say erroneously uh, and delusionally, well, let him have his delusion and his error. Um, it's no, I, maybe no more so than what's been for the last, you know, 60 years. Well, I, th- I think they're getting more of a bad notation attached to them as days go by. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't, I don't think you're actually going to have to worry about that too much longer. But but, but do you see a way that we can change ufology <laughs> without without completely altering what that even means or even getting rid of the term? I mean, the term doesn't even make sense anymore when you think uh, about it. See, I mean, here's always been the problem. And, and, and I, I'll tell you, if anybody could do it, I think Ted Phillips would be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. I got to say, because there's a guy who started out, I think, I mean, judging from what I've you know, seen from him, nuts and bolts guy. And then Marley Woods happens. And, you know, he said right on this show that, you know, he just doesn't know what's going on there, but that uh, there are familiar aspects to all sorts of strange things that are just this, hodgepodge mix which leads him to rethink all of the other stuff i suppose um i don't know we'll have to have him back on to talk about that i mean that is one guy that i think could make a hard line case for this may not be what we think it is but again i it's just like we were having this discussion with tim earlier uh off the air it's like you look at the guy standing out in this front lawn watering the grass, and he sees a flying saucer fly by. He sees the sun glint off of it. For him, it's real. Could it be some sort of exotic black project? Yeah, it could be. Could it be the Enigma? It could be. Could it be some sort of weather phenomenon that involves 
tightly packed cloud and uh, some sort of sun aberration at just the right angle that gives it a metallic appearance? Yeah, it could. It could. We're going to take that ball and run with it and call it extraterrestrial. You know, I think the majority of people would say that. But the bottom line is, is like, and I think the only time that I can, that off the top of my head right now, that I can think of that someone saw a craft on the ground and went up and touched it was uh, Sergeant Penniston at Bentwaters. He put his hands on it. Uh, was that extraterrestrial? I don't think we can say one way or the other what we knew. What, it, what We don't know any of this stuff. So it's always, to me, been a huge leap to say, it's extraterrestrial or it's whatever. We don't know anything. And, and, you know, and Tim agreed with that. He said, we don't know anything. And I think that that's a problem for so many people in ufology who have built either a, a speaking career uh, or a book career on the notion of nuts and bolts, hard, you know, tangible flesh and blood alien beings from Zeta Reticuli to wherever else coming here and doing their thing. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if the man watering or mowing his grass who sees the disc could have got a .30-06 rifle and shot it out of the sky, maybe we'd know something. Maybe he'd be in jail at Leavenworth for destroying a $6.5 billion black project. But we don't, you know, a sighting does not equate to a real object in its sense of what we're talking about when we say real. So there's all of these variables in this stuff in the same way that a photograph doesn't tell you what something is. It only says, I don't know, or the object was truly there. What it is, I don't know. It doesn't tell you where it came from, what it's made of, who's inside or what's inside. So, to me, there's like so much supposition in all of this, but the problem is, is that people are ultimately married to their original theory. And to get them to say, let's put everything down on the table and let it float away and now look in another direction is going to be a hard sell. That's not going to be the way people want it to go because people like to believe that they have a hold on this in some way. That's in human nature is to try to get a hold on the unknowable and to define it and to put it into a box. I love the way people in ufology say, you've got to think outside the box. But nobody wants to think outside the box of ufology. Right. It's either extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional or it's not. <laughs> so they're on their own box. Uh, you want to get out of the box? Let's, let's, let's do this box. You don't know what the hell it is. You don't know where it comes from, and you haven't a fucking clue as to what it means. There is no meaning here. We don't know what the meaning is. So, you know, that's a tough sell. <laughs> After, I'm sure, millions of dollars in books and lectures and conferences and all this stuff. Really? I don't think people are going to just lay down and die for that. I really don't. Well, I don't think. But you, will... I think, I think the episode that this episode should be called should be should be called "Ufology Must Die." <laughs> All right, fair enough. I think it could become the thing that people pay attention to if it's done the right way. Like you said, Ted Phillips. I think. I think there's got to be. I mean, what is it that's appealing about us? There's something that strikes people as sincere, and we're kind of open with our lives, and so for some reason, 
you can say a guy in a black robe sat down in my living room <laughs> and like half a million listeners will believe you. Um, you're not selling anything. You're just telling what happened in your life. And I think that comes through. So I think there is this human connection authenticity that comes through with certain people that is a connection. And I think that there is also the Ted Phillips thing of, hey, I was just like you <laughs> uh, right. until I actually started studying it. <laughs> and now it turns out not so much. And so I think people are at a place where they're uh, disenchanted with the whole thing. I mean, well, people aren't really paying attention to it. I think even in Banal's um, festival, you know, the ghost stuff is in the monster stuff is popular. The UFO stuff is the least popular yeah. out of it. And all the ghost shows that are coming out, you know, um, sort of speak to that. Don't you think ufology has more or less reached this critical mass at this point that yeah, really are we yeah, going to talk about? Well, I uh, think we, we've reached, and, we've reached that, that critical point. And, and so now, and what is that point? What is built up to that point? The, the thing that's built up to this point of not giving a shit uh, and wanting something new is the fact that what we thought was authentic and what we thought was sincere was not, or mm-hmm. was just plain wrong. Right. Um, and so, and so now you're left with, the completely insincere um, disclosure movement and the Leslie Kane version of that or Keen version of that, which is sincere, but you know, is kind of irrelevant, you know, in the sense that, that it, it, it it's, you're chasing a phantom at that point, trying to get the, the U S government to disclose what it knows. Um, because one, they're not going to listen to you, but two, um, who cares what they know? <laughs> I mean, at some point, don't you just throw up your hands and go, who really care? Unless they have a pact with aliens or something, they don't know <laughs> enough of anything to make this chase worth it. This many, many decades of chasing is just not worth it. The, the answer at the end of that tunnel ain't going to be what you want. And so I think if anyone's left after that, they're left wanting sincere voices questioning this stuff again. So, uh, you know, hopefully we and others fill that and become <laughs> the next uh, phase of uh, not knowing what's going on. And then in the next 60 years, the next <laughs> Jeff and Jeremy will come along and do away with us. <laughs> right. Those guys, what was wrong with them? Can you imagine something as archaic as this thinking? <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I mean... I don't think it's as impossible as you might think it is. On paper, it looks like the impossible thing, and we should all give up. I, I just think that um, I just think we need well, here, to completely he, get rid of ufology and rethink the whole damn thing. You know, well, well and people for will me, be there for that. Yeah, for me, it's it's become one of those things where you look at how utterly alien and how utterly bizarre that it is. And you realize that it is closer to you than a flying saucer in a photograph. And then you look at the popular explanations or the popular scenarios or theorems for what it is. And you realize that these are so pedestrian, culture-bound, science fiction-laden excuses is what they are. They're not even theories. They're excuses. And you realize that's not it. That doesn't fit. And and I would think that anyone would be able to see that by now. But obviously... 
But how? I think how would it, they see that by now? If if they're not experiencing it and you're just a bystander, you're reading I, I, what's I think, out there to read. You're seeing well, on the no, show what's what's there to be seen. And it's no, all I, I think, crap. But I think if you care enough about it, I mean, and I've said this for a while, it's like this is not, to me, a subject that someone should get into as a hobby. You know, you're either in it for the quest of trying to gain knowledge of it or not. You know, to, to treat this with anything less than a certain amount of devotion is a waste of time because you're not going to get anywhere in it. It's a, it's a, a ridiculously complex subject. It, it, whatever the answer is or whatever the theory is, it's a deeply complex one. So to sit back and go, well, you know, I'm going to read uh, Timothy Good's Above Top Secret, and then maybe I'll shuffle over to Silent Invasion by Ellen Crystal, and then maybe I'll read something on DMT, and then I'll read uh, True Hallucinations by Terrence McKenna. And you go across all this stuff, and then you come across a guy like Jacques Vallée, who goes, who makes you go, as Jeremy would say, what, what, what? And... You know, and there you're looking at something different, and you're looking at a guy who really did treat this with seriousness, and and started out at one place, and then said, you know, I've had to reevaluate what I think, and now I think maybe we should look in this direction. And, and five years later, well, you know what? I think I've pretty well negated that. Let's go this way. Why? He's a scientist. You know. So you always have to adopt that kind of, I'm not going to marry myself to a theory. I'm going to be open to other interpretations of this. I think when you start talking about something that, we, that we've kind of discussed ad nauseum on this show and, and, and you've written about and all that, which is, which is seeing the UFO question through the New Age goggles. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean the, the, the profiteers on that side of things because we certainly know there are the the frauds and the charlatans who are out for nothing but the the american dollar but the notion of well i don't have scary experiences i have space brothers who guide me and show me this and that and uh, and and i think like you i i do see that as a certain amount of wish fulfillment as they say on on the on the intro to the show but i don't think at the same time Something I, I don't think Dick Haynes would mind me saying that, uh, you know, you, you can't negate someone else's experience. So the notion that some people don't experience it like you and therefore they must be wrong or they must be lying uh, it doesn't, doesn't ring true to me anymore. That's something that I've had to reevaluate to, I don't know, I guess glimpse the bigger picture of all of this stuff is that people are going to see it the way they expect to see it or the way they want to see it. And that doesn't negate them as someone who's having an experience. Um, I think here I will uh, give credit to my friend, Melissa, who said of another uh, radio show host, he mistakes anger and paranoia for discernment. mm -hmm. And she said, you know, do you hear any of that in Teokas and ghost horses voice? Right. Any, and yet he sounds authentic, right? So there are other ways to approach this than yeah. you have to be fear and anger and paranoid that everyone's out to get you. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, I, I mean, for me, that's been kind of a, a new kind of a new twist that I've had to, I don't know, kind of take a step back and go, wow, really? I, 
I'm not sure I I can you know, and th- that's not to say that uh, not to be discerning or discerning or critical thinking about their, or apply critical thinking to this, but uh, and, and it's certainly not saying that all of a sudden uh, we're uh, we're Billy Meyer converts or anything like that. Um, no, but you don't need to be uh, so cynical to be discerning. I mean, Ghost Horse is a discerning yeah. guy. He's not. He's an intelligent, yeah. rational, you know, he does know how to function that way, yeah. and yet it's not eating him alive. Yeah. I think this notion that this stuff has to eat you alive to be real is uh, not discernment. It's just your own issues. Right. So, I mean, there's another barrier to changing the face uh, or or changing the discussion of, of this subject. Uh, and I think much like Dick Haynes has said, like the UFO has so much so many threads connected to it. The word UFO, the word alien has so many entanglements that come along with it. The baggage that goes with it, that it's almost not a useful, it's not useful terminology anymore. So the question becomes, how do you discuss this? How do you adopt or try to instill in other people studying this stuff, the valet scientific notion that it's okay to say I was wrong, (laughs) It's okay to say I I got it all wrong, and now I'm thinking more in this direction. Maybe, you know, everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to be sure. Everybody wants their answer to be the right answer. And I think you know, if I've learned nothing else in this stuff, is like there is no brass ring to grab a hold of, and be, you're not going to be the hero. Yeah, once you're you have not, the answers, the other answers, the other questions pop up, and exactly. You know, and I, I think it will always be that way. And I think part of the struggle to understand this stuff, the part of that means something is the struggle to understand this stuff. Well, this is what so. I would actually tell Tim Banal because we were, you know, we were talking to him earlier about, gee, if there's no truth in any that you're ever going to get to, is the journey the thing? If the journey isn't the thing for you, what are you doing this for? Just entertainment? I mean, he's not really making money off this or anything, so. Um, maybe the journey is the thing for him. I'm not answering it for him. I don't know. But right. is that what you think? The journey is the thing. I, I think it's. I think it's entirely possible that that's part of it. That it's doing something. I don't know what. I mean, we may not. I mean, who knows? You, you may not recognize this for generations. The problem is, is that you know, the the more that I see of um, yeah, the state of the world, the state of everything, the state of this reality, um. You know, I, I just don't see – I mean, can you imagine the world 500 years from now? I can't. No. Um, I, I can't. I can't see it going on like that. That's not to say I I think some horrible thing is going to befall us all, but I – you know, I, I just um, – I don't know. Do, do, I, do I look at the Maggie Jackson thing, the, the, um, the coming dark age? Are we going to go through this dark age where technology is going to be like, oh, my God, what were we doing? You know, is that going to be like, you know, the ugly girl you brought to bed in the drunken stupor the night before? What have I done? Um, I don't know. I think sometimes we're going to go backwards uh, from what we're from what we are. And maybe that will help something. I, I, I just well, don't the thing know. Is we already are backwards. I mean, if you just think about how the fact that we don't have to hunt for our own food and all of that, that, that right. all that stuff is taken care of for us. In fact, all sort of uh, survival creativity is taken care of for us now by 
corporations and their scientists, I think we have naturally lost most of us some sort of creative capability or, and and then it becomes that, you know, the, we deserve culture, you know, Mm -hmm. give it to me now. Right. Uh, So if we're just the creature that's give it to me now and, and the thing that's giving it to us now is actually advertising, you deserve this now fortifying our sense of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much longer human beings can go that way before we turn to jelly, you know? And then there is just the cabal of, like, smart corporate scientists intravenously feeding us crap, and we're just sort of hooked up to machines going, ah, feed us now. And that's all we become. Like, I, I, you know, really, like, what what sort of future is there when there's no creative impulse anymore? Because it's all just, give me now. Why come you don't like electrolytes? (laughs) (laughs) Scary, no? I mean, really? I mean, scary to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, at at some point, it's like I said to you about my house taxes. It's like, really? At what point does someone stand up and go, what the hell is this all for? What are we doing? What do you need this money for me for? So I have to work harder to pay more bills, to own more things. And it's like... God, it's like, at what point is humanity going to say, enough, enough, I'm sick of this, you know, I am sick of this rat race, I am sick of this need for more stuff. I think in some part that this is part of the the quest, the journey, the pursuit of these kind of things. It's like, we're talking, we're not shopping, <laughs> you know? You're pondering deeper things about life, and maybe that's what the point is, is to ponder more about life, to understand your surroundings or what you see as your surroundings. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Believe me, I have no insight in this whatsoever, other than I see some very weird shit happening throughout my life that obviously isn't confined only to me because other people have seen it. That's the best I can say. You know, past that, I've been through... The ET thing, I've 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 thought that at periods. I've thought the demonic thing. I've thought the, you know, uh, extra dimensional thing. I I just I just don't know. And it leads me all back to what have I been doing all this time? You know, pondering different ideas, making my brain work harder to conceive more and more complex issues. Uh, and maybe maybe that's a, a part of it. I I don't know. I don't know. Changing the tone of ufology, though, I don't. I don't think is something that is gonna is gonna happen in in the situation that it is right now. You know, I think it's gonna have to either completely fall apart and be dismissed, or whatever subfaction exists that is of the. I mean, again, to bring his name up yet again, Jacques Vallée, you know, who, who to me is like the consummate explorer of this subject. Or even somebody like Strieber, who has thought many different ways about this, the the the, the contact experience, um, and I think is still evolving into different thoughts of it. Despite the fact that he he thinks he's the purveyor of useless knowledge, I don't think that's the case. Um, I just think that a lot of people look at somebody like him and go, "What a nut job! He can't keep it together. He can't." Uh, you know, he can't keep his story straight. No, it's that it evolves like that. It changes. And I think there is that whole trickster element to it where to speak of it with 100% honesty is to be thought a fool. 
make him look like a nut, as Hanson would say. You know, there's a part of it that's that that is that too. So, God damn, it is hard to put that into a box and go, okay, we're going to go off on a subtangent that's going to be this. Because you can't do that. There is no direction because it's everywhere. You know, the direction exists any way you want to go. Ufology must die. <laughs> At least for us, I mean, you know, I don't think there's anything there to get anymore. Not when we're talking about the big story right now is something that happened in, what, 64? <laughs> yeah, <right>. Wow! <laughs> Come on, man. Really? Yeah. Come on. Let's get with it. You know, get with it, get over it. That was decades ago. It's over, it's done with. Whatever it was is whatever it was. It bears little meaning on what's going on right now. That's just how I look at it. So I don't know. I, I think well, it means uh, everything to people who are trying to prove that something is real. When another yeah. great case slips away, it's like, well, that's that's one more nail in the coffin of this being true to the world that doesn't think it's true to begin with. I mean, it's <laughs> such a faulty premise that ufology works under this whole, we're going to get them to see our point of view. We're going to, no, you're not. There's always going to be the percentage that believes you, and there's always going to be percentage that doesn't. And I'm not going to. And I'm not, not. Believe me, I'm not holding myself in any lofty position either. I was in that. Yeah. <laughs> I was right there with them. You know, I was right there with them at one point. I mean, I, I painted all the signs for Operation Right to Know. For God's sakes, I was as big a proponent of they know and they won't tell us as anybody else. But you sooner than later you realize, man, this is a lot bigger than that. It's a lot more complex than that. And as Valet said, it does the, the, that model doesn't fit anymore. That what we know more about it, what we've studied more about it, it doesn't point in certain directions. We can kind of abandon those ideals now and move on to something deeper or something bigger. But people are so damn reluctant to do that because they've built celebrity celebrity status careers on that. Uh, you know, that's, well, and it could be as simple as this is the way. Human consciousness uh, unfolds when it applies itself to the unknown, which is we set up this fundamentalist base, which is nuts and bolts theory, and then we build a pyramid from there, you know? And so the most people uh, on the planet are going to identify with and understand nuts and bolts, is it aliens or not? And then beyond that, you know, well, gee, do we are there abductions or not? Gee, are we related to these beings or not? Gee, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got all of this wrong. Maybe we got to figure out what humans are first before we figure out what they are to where we are, which is don't know what the hell is going on. Let's start there, you know? <laughs> uh, and so maybe it is always going to be the few uh, at the top, and it's not ever going to be the giant wave, but that, that we want of, like, you know, people pushing up toward uh, toward our end of the thing. But maybe... Maybe it will. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe maybe it'll become this, the kind of thing where at least some of those stages collapse in on themselves, like nuts and bolts abductions, little alien doctors and all that stuff, combined with nuts and bolts UFO sightings, all become the thing that that grab your attention to get you involved in ufology, and then you immediately go to the next thing and see that, like, yeah, that's interesting, but this is actually more meaningful. This is where it's at. Yeah. You know, maybe it maybe it could shoot up that way, and so that that so that the base of it 
is kind of just irrelevant except as a door to get one's interest. In it's, it's the trolling scenario, you know? It trolls, <laughs> waiting for somebody to bite that hook, you know? And um, I think whatever whatever path that leads you on of whether it's self-destruction as it was for me, which that's what it was, you know, to be to, to come out of it in a totally different mindset uh, about the whole thing. Because I have to say, I mean, I haven't, you know, I'm sure back in the day I read my fair share of books about it, but I would say in the past decade at least, I haven't read very much on this subject. I don't read what other people have to say about it because I don't, number one, I don't want to pollute anything for myself, so I don't read much about it. I'll I'll discuss with people, but if somebody brings up some kind of mega fact about uh, a case from five or six years ago, unless it's one I worked on, I don't have any clue. And, and I, I mean, I think it's pretty evident that when it when it interacts with you and you realize it, there's not really a need, a need to read a book. You know, it's it's right there. You can observe it as it is or react to it as it is. But um, I I don't know. I don't know if that's part of the the whole thing or not to lead you into something else. Maybe it is. I mean, I can't say that the whole experience for me over the years hasn't been. Can't say I haven't learned things about myself because I have. But uh, very little about what it's all about. So, you know, uh, and maybe that's a big part of it, too, is learning about you and addressing you and all of that. I I think think it's addressing you to get you over you. I think mm -hmm. when you just address you because you need to explore and all that, I think that's when it gets into the, well, everything. I I almost said new agey, but really that's what everybody does. Mm -hmm. Everyone explores themselves and their world. And, you know, however you feel about that, either you think life sucks and then you die or you you think, wow, this is all magical. All of this mind stuff and all of these things that you can think about and ponder and have epiphanies about. What if, you know, if all that stuff is completely off track, <laughs> yeah. uh, then I don't think that this thing is about exploring that and exploring the self except as a means to destroy it. Get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you can go the you can look at the route of public opinion on this subject from outside those who don't follow it. And I'm sure that you've talked to people or had people approach you, maybe at the office or whatever. So you're into that. What do you think about what's going on there? What's that all about? You know. And then you have to have that discussion, and then they walk away going like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the wide-eyed, gaping mouth. Because I think they're all too willing to hear you say, oh, well, they're uh, extraterrestrials probably. I mean that's the easiest answer for it, so uh, blah, blah, blah. That's the answer they expect, and when they don't get that answer, I mean I've already been asked, who are you? you know <laughs> yeah, yeah they, it, it, isn't it ironic that you have this clearly one of the deepest subjects that humankind could face, which is the other, the intelligent right. other. Right. And they want it to be the shallowest conversation possible. Yeah. The second it becomes deep, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> right, right, right. Say what I signed up for when I asked you about aliens. <laughs> what you, what you, what you asked me for? You know, I just, I, I narrow it down these days to. I think it has more to do with human consciousness and perception than it does any of the other things you've heard. That's my end-all answer because it's so nice and broad mm-hmm. and i don't have to bore them with it you know <laughs> but i think that uh 
I, I go back again to the Colin Andrews lecture at the X conference this past year, as much as we dog exopolitics. That was a good show. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and something by, that, by no fault of exopolitics, by the way. Right. Exactly. They stumbled no into a pretty good program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Colin Andrews said about the crop circles that, uh, you know, it took a lot of heat when he said, you know, the majority of these are made by men, are made by people. Because I think everybody really wanted this to be some type of deep, unknown, you know, super manifestation of something that couldn't be done by human hands. And then the guy, the very guy who coined the name Crop Circles comes out and says, no, the vast majority are made by people. But really, that doesn't matter. <laughs> and then he explains why it doesn't matter and why that this is still an incredibly fascinating, deep, rich subject. And then you get a guy who comes back up and says, yeah, but if only one is made by extraterrestrials, <laughs> well, then. <laughs> yeah. That's the response you'll get. You see what I'm saying? So when you talk about changing the face or changing the the whole conversation about this stuff, I think that's what you're going to run into. Well, you're going to run into that because that's the guy who's running the show. Well, yeah. But how many other people would feel the same way, you know? And look at the response that Colin got when he actually said that. You know, it wasn't a pleasant, uh, you know, response from the public when he said the majority of these are about people making them. So, uh, anyway... Onward to episode 41, no? Yes, onward and upward. This was just kind of like we wanted to have this discussion about stuff and uh, and direction. So tell us what you think. Visit the message board, www.paratopia.net. Do you Get like the direction of the show? Do we even need a direction for the show? I don't think we need direction. I think the anti-structure of the show should be no direction. There you go. The way of no way. Ah, full circle, anyone? Circle gets a square, anyone? The force will provide a way. <laughs> Sweet dreams. My midi-chlorians are going crazy. Say goodnight to Paratopia, Jeff. Goodnight, Paratopia, Jeff. Oh, God. <laughs> you want to redo that one? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Say goodnight to Paratopia, Jeff. My midi-chlorians are going crazy. Ah, I hate you. Good night. <laughs>